Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. Hello, everybody. What is going on? Welcome into Xander's Facts. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander, and no, for the third straight week, this is not a new episode of the Xander's Facts podcast. It is another Xander's Facts flashback. But no fear, because Xander is returning, myself, even though you're listening to me, but a new podcast episode is coming next week, Wednesday, August 24th. Mark your calendars, because it's going to be very special. After a three-week break, Xander's Facts is coming back, which I'm going to talk about a little bit after the flashback. But before the flashback, I just wanted to let you know that if you like listening to the Xander's Facts podcast and all the Xander's Facts flashbacks, then remember to click the follow button on this podcast, download this episode, this Xander's Facts flashback, and all the episodes of the Xander's Facts podcast. Remember to rate the podcast, review the podcast, then go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Xander's Facts, that's Xander with a Z, and most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread facts, Xander's Facts podcast, tell all your friends about Xander's Facts flashbacks, any past episodes of the Xander's Facts podcast, and tell them that there's a new episode coming out next week, and they need to check it out. And also, you can listen to our new episodes on YouTube, Xander's Facts on YouTube, go check that out, and the Xander's Facts link tree has all the Xander's Facts links that you need, including for Xander's Weekend Facts, the weekly newsletter, which has been publishing new editions every Sunday. So go check out Xander's Weekend Facts in the link in this episode's description. So this week is another Xander's Facts flashback, and this week we are going back to January of this year, January 19th to be specific, for our big redistricting podcast. It was actually episode 50 of the podcast, and so when we come back, it's going to be episode 73. Who cares? That's going to be next week's episode, but we're going back to episode 50 from January. We talked about a ton of stuff. There was an emergency fax, football picks, I think. It was the football postseason, which is actually coming up. I'm going to talk about football after the flashback, so make sure to stay tuned. But I have football picks, but when I'm going to play is our main topic we had this week, which was redistricting, because it only comes once every 10 years in the United States that we draw new lines for our congressional districts and our state legislature districts. It only happens once every 10 years with the new census. So I kind of broke down how it was playing out state by state, and there were a lot of numbers, and people probably got very bored. Guaranteed! But it is very important. So. Even if you're bored, I don't care because they're facts. And you can never get bored by facts, so I don't know how you got bored. But anyway, that's from January. So, if there's anything that's a little outdated, just, you know, it's from January. But I am going to provide a little bit of an update when the flashback is over for Wednesday, August 17th. So you will be up to date by the time this episode is over. So make sure to stay tuned. But let's get started with this flashback. We are going back to January, episode 50, to talk redistricting on the Sanders Facts Flashback. Sanders Facts. Our main topic this week involves politics because it is time for something very special to happen. It only happens once every 10 years. Tell me, tell me. No one knows what I'm talking about. I'm talking about 
redistricting. Oh. Because in the United States, we only get to redistrict every 10 years. The federal government, every 10 years, conducts a census to count how many people live in the United States. This includes how many people live in each locality, like a city or a state or a county or whatever, and also includes demographic information such as age groups, race, and economic data like wages, incomes, all that stuff. So, why are we talking about the census? Well, the census was conducted by the Census Bureau in the year 2020, which is now two years ago, for the 24th time in the history of the United States. And for the first time in 2020, people could conduct the census online or on the phone instead of filling out paper thingy. Good to know. However, the 2020 count was also marred with controversy while it was taking place, and it is still controversial today. Let's talk about it, because while the count was going on during the pandemic in 2020, the Trump administration ugh, was fighting in court to make sure that unauthorized immigrants were not counted towards each state's congressional seat and electoral vote numbers. Now, this was despite the fact that Article 1, Section 2 of the United States Constitution mandates that a census be taken every 10 years, and Article 2 of the 14th Amendment, which amended Article 1, Section 2, stated that, quote, representatives shall be appointed among the several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole number of persons in each state, unquote. It's the truth. So basically, what Donnie Boy wanted to do was make sure that unauthorized immigrants were not counted in the census, when 23 other times in this country, unauthorized immigrants have been counted in the census. So that was an issue, and the administration was ultimately denied this request. So while all that was going on, the Census Bureau was still dealing with conducting the count during the beginnings of the pandemic, when everyone was locked down, which forced the Bureau to actually miss the legal reporting deadline for the first set of results. So that's why redistricting usually happens last year. It's kind of being pushed back to 2022, which is not normal. And additionally, the Trump administration requested that the counting end on October 15th of 2020 instead of the intended October 31st date, and the Supreme Court said that you can do that. They said that on October 14th, so the count had ended earlier than it was supposed to. Uh-oh. So the Census Bureau was dealing with all those issues, and now we all knew all of this stuff. This is not new information. But there are new documents that were released this weekend, this past weekend, that showcased just how much the Trump administration was meddling in the 2020 census. There was a memorandum that circulated among top Census Bureau officials in September of 2020 that was finally disclosed on Saturday. It cited unprecedented meddling by the Trump administration in the 2020 census, and the memo listed several instances that senior census officials had experienced political interference while conducting the census, with these issues planning to be raised by the Secretary of the Commerce Department, who was at the time Wilbur Ross, the Secretary of the Commerce Department oversees the Census Bureau. What the heck does this mean? The memo's issues included computer formulas that make educated guesses on who and how many people live in households that did not complete census forms, a controversial new method that was known as differential privacy that the Bureau used to shield the identities of those being counted, and how political appointees had taken an extensive interest in how the Bureau would produce final population numbers and how they would find the number of voting age 
citizens. So that memo raised concern with the fact that former President Donnie Boy wanted to give the voting age population to states to draw political maps instead of the total population numbers, which has always been done in the past. Whoops. And finally, the memo voiced concerns that an effort to count the number of unauthorized immigrants would increase the political pressure put on the committee and that the administration would exclude those numbers from the total population count, which once again has never been done before. So the Trump administration wanted to end the census count early so that his administration could obtain the census numbers while he was still president. This was before the election, so apparently he knew he was going to lose, so that his administration could obtain the census numbers, deplete unauthorized immigrants from those numbers, and then send them to the states so they could draw new political maps. Of course, unauthorized immigrants have always been counted in the census, and this level of political interference in the census has not been seen in our modern age. Are you sure? Why are we talking about this? Because... The census directly affects the number of congressional seats that each state gets, and it helps determine how congressional districts will be drawn. So that brings us to our main topic, which is redistricting, because every 10 years after the census comes out, all 50 states use the data from the census to draw new political districts for House of Representative seats along with state legislature seats. So the way these districts are drawn can potentially determine which party gains an advantage to take the majority in the House of Representatives in D.C. or in a bunch of state legislatures. Nice fact! This happened back in 2010, when Republicans made large gains in the midterms of 2010 that year and were able to draw districts that benefited them in a bunch of states for the next 10 years. So now the way that redistricting process works differs depending on the state. Some states, the state legislatures themselves draw the districts, which usually benefits the party in power, with these usually needing approval from the governor. But in other states, there are independent commissions that have been created with the goal of drawing fair districts. Although, this does not always happen, because those commissions sometimes are set up to fail. Not funny. So we're going to take a look at redistricting, because a bunch of states have already approved new maps for the next eight or so years. It's not even 10 now because we're already to 2022. And not all states have finished drawing their districts, but most states have. So on this podcast today, we're going to take a look at what new district lines could mean for upcoming House elections in the 2022 midterms. We're taking a look at all 50 states. There are 50 states in the United States, if you didn't know. And we're going to take a look at how each state, all 50 states, are drawing their new districts. Oh, yay. But before we get started, there are a couple of states that have a different number of House districts and electoral college votes compared to the last 10 years, the last redistricting cycle. Six states gain seats. Those states are Colorado, Florida, Montana, North Carolina, Oregon, and Texas. Texas gained two seats, the others gained one. And meanwhile, seven states each lost one seat. Those are California, Illinois, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. It's all true! And those are important because, as you know, the way we elect a president in the United States is that if you win a state, you get electoral college votes. The way that they come up with electoral college votes is by adding up the number of each state's representatives in Congress. So each state has two senators that represent them in Congress, so they automatically have two, and then you add on the number of House of Representatives 
that each state gets. So Wyoming, for instance, only has one House of Representatives, and they have two senators. So Wyoming has three electoral college votes. Virginia, for instance, has two senators and 11 House of Representatives. So they have 13 electoral college votes. There you go. If you say so. So let's get this started. Time for some state-by-state breakdowns. But first off, there are a couple of states that only have enough population for one congressional district, and those states do not go through redistricting for the House of Representatives because their one representative represents the whole state, like Wyoming. The other states are Vermont, Delaware, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Alaska, including Wyoming. And Vermont and Delaware are blue states, so their representatives are usually Democrats, while the Dakotas, Wyoming, and Alaska are red states, so their representatives are usually Republicans. So, with that out of the way, let's start with some of the smaller states and work our way up, because once we get to the bigger ones, that's where more of the interesting stuff happens. So let's start with the seven states that only have two congressional districts. There is Idaho, where both districts are solidly Republican. Last time, they stayed there. This time, West Virginia, which actually lost the seat, and both those districts are solidly Republican. There is Maine, where both districts are held by Democrats, but one of those districts is rated as a lean Republican district, which is the same as the last map, so that's interesting. There's Montana, which added a seat. They only had one Republican seat. Now it looks like they're going to have two. Those states have already approved their maps. There are three states that have two congressional districts that have not. That includes Rhode Island, who has two strong Democratic districts and is expected to remain that way with Democrats in control of the redistricting process. The same goes for Hawaii, but there's also New Hampshire. New Hampshire's last two districts were extremely competitive. They were both rated as toss-ups, but both are held by Democrats. So while there are two proposed plans, one by Democrats would include two competitive districts, while one by Republicans in the legislature would include one lean Democratic seat and one lean Republican seat. And that is something to watch for as Republicans are fully in control of the process in New Hampshire. They have a Republican legislature and they have a Republican governor. By the way, before I start throwing out all these toss-up and lean Democrat, lean Republican terms, even though I already did, just a quick definition here for you. A toss-up seat means that that district's political lean is within five points. So either Democrats have an advantage of five points or less, Republicans have an advantage of five points or less, or no one has an advantage. It's an even political lean, which is very rare, which is probably not the best. But also, seats that lean, if I say it's a lean Democrat seat or a lean Republican seat, that means that if it's a lean Democrat seat, the Democratic advantage is between 5 and 15 points. And if it's a lean Republican seat, the Republican lean on that district is between 5 and 15 points. And solid districts are over 15 points. Fact nugget! So there's some quick definitions. Let's continue rolling here because we've got two states that have three districts. Those include Nebraska. Nebraska is interesting because it is one of two states where presidential candidates are not elected as winner-take-all for those electoral college votes in that state. They only get a couple of that state's votes from winning the majority of that state, but they also get a vote for winning a congressional district. Like Joe Biden in 2020 won one of Nebraska's congressional districts, so he got a electoral college vote 
from Nebraska. Now, Nebraska has two solid Republican districts and one toss-up district that Joe Biden won, but it leans Republican. It is currently held by a Republican, and it looks like it's going to maintain its toss-up status in the next redistricting cycle. What do you say? And there's also New Mexico, which had two solid Democratic districts and one leaning Republican district previously. And now in the new maps, it has one lean Democratic district and two toss-ups, which lean Democratic. Both of those states have approved their maps. There are six states that have four districts, including Arkansas, which has four solid Republican seats, which is the same as it did previously. Utah, the same, four solid Republicans. Iowa, which now has one solid Republican, one lean Republican, and two toss-ups with one currently held by a Republican, one currently held by a Democrat. And previously, there were three toss-ups in the state and one solid Republican seat in Iowa had a redistricting commission, so it was supposed to be nonpartisan. And then you get into Nevada, which has one lean Republican, one lean Democrat, and two toss-up seats that lean Democrats. So Arkansas, Utah, Iowa, and Nevada have all completed their maps. But Nevada's is currently being challenged in the courts, so we'll see what happens there. Seriously? Mississippi currently has one proposed map that is on the governor's desk as of Monday night, and that proposed map is similar to the current district's one solid Democratic seat and three solid Republican seats. And Kansas, the other state that has four districts, has not proposed any map so far. So we don't know what's going on with Kansas. No one cares. Now there are two states that have five districts. Oklahoma, which has five solid Republican seats, not a surprise. Previously, there were four solid Republicans and one lean Republican seat. They've approved their map. Connecticut's the other state that has five districts. Connecticut's maps are now up to the state Supreme Court because the legislature and the backup redistricting commission could not approve new maps. However, the maps are expected to be similar to the current ones, which include two solid Democratic districts, one lean Democrat, and two Democratic-leaning toss-up districts. And now there are three states that have six districts. There's Oregon, which gained a seat. It had five. Now it has six. Their new map includes two solid Democratic seats, two lean Democrats, one toss-up that leans D, and one solid Republican seat. Previously, there were two solid Democratic seats, two toss-ups that lean D, and one solid Republican. So Oregon has now approved their congressional maps. Kentucky has one solid Democratic seat in Louisville, one lean Republican seat, and four solid Republican seats, and they have a map on the governor's desk, and it looks like it's going to be similar to what their current map is, while Louisiana has not proposed any maps. I didn't ask that. Just like Kansas. What's wrong with you, Louisiana? There are two states that have seven districts as well. Alabama, which has one solid Democratic seat and six solid Republicans, same as it was previously. They have approved their map. South Carolina has not. Their old seats were one solid Democrat, one lean Republican, and five solid Republican seats. But Republicans in the legislature are trying to solidify that one lean Republican seat to a solid Republican seat. Ew. So those two states have seven districts. Five states have eight districts, including Colorado, which added a seat. Their new map has three solid Democratic seats, one lean Democrat, one lean Republican, two solid Republican seats. And the new district, Colorado 8, is a toss-up. And Maryland has five solid Democratic seats two lean Democrats, and one lean Republican seat. Previously, there were seven solid Democratic seats, and that Republican seat was a solid 
Republican seat. So those two maps have been approved. Those three states that have eight districts that have yet to approve their maps are Minnesota, which previously had two solid Democratic seats, one lean Democrat, a toss-up held by a Republican, a lean Republican seat, and three solid Republican seats. And in Minnesota, since the legislature is split between both parties and the governor is a Democrat, it's likely that the courts are going to draw the maps in Minnesota. Missouri has not approved any maps yet. They had a solid Democratic district, a lean Democratic district, a lean Republican district, and five solid Republican districts previously. And the new maps that they're proposing are likely to be similar. And then there's Wisconsin, which previously had two solid Democratic seats, a lean Republican seat, which was held by a Democrat, a lean Republican seat held by a Republican, and four solid Republican seats. And the state Supreme Court is going to draw those maps after the maps from the Republican legislature were vetoed by the Democratic governor, with the court saying when it was up to them, which it is now, that they are probably going to try and make as few changes as possible to the current maps. Why would you do this to me? So those five states have eight districts. There are four states that have nine districts, including Arizona, which was a toss-up state in the presidential election. They had an independent commission that approved two solid Democratic seats, one toss-up, which is held by a Democrat, one lean Republican, which is currently held by a Democrat, one lean Republican held by a Republican, and four solid Republican seats, adding one more lean Republican from the previous map and changing a lean Democrat seat to a toss-up in the new map. Indiana has one solid Democratic seat, one lean Democratic seat, and seven solid Republican seats, and Massachusetts has nine solid Democratic seats. All those states have approved their maps. Tennessee is the only state with nine districts that is not. Their old maps include two solid Democratic seats and seven solid Republican seats. But Tennessee is interesting because Republicans control the redistricting process and the maps that they have proposed look like they're going to try to move one of those solid Democratic seats to a solid Republican seat. To do that, they would have to split up Nashville, which the state's Democratic Party says if they do that, then they're going to sue them because depending on what happens, they could be violating the Voting Rights Act. So we'll see. Tennessee is one to watch. Watch it, buddy. But now we get into the states with double digit districts, which include usually more gerrymandering and are the states that are usually watched the most. Let's begin with Washington State, which has 10 districts. Those are three solid Democrats, three lean Democrats, one toss-up, which is held by a Democrat, one lean Republican, and two solid Republican seats. No maps have been approved in Washington State. Those were the previous maps. But the current proposal from a bipartisan commission looks like it's going to stay the same with the exception of one of the lean Democrat seats moving over to a solid Democrat distinction. Virginia has 11 districts. Their new maps include four solid Democratic districts, one lean Democratic district, one toss-up that leans Democrat, one lean Republican district, which is currently held by a Democrat, two lean Republican districts, and two solid Republican districts. And these are the same distinctions that Virginia had last cycle. This cycle, there was a newly created bipartisan commission, which was approved by the state's voters, that ultimately failed because the Republicans and the Democrats on the commission could not agree to the maps, so it went to the Supreme Court, which then approved these new maps for Virginia. Too many facts. New Jersey has 12 districts. They have a bipartisan commission, which approves six solid Democratic districts, three lean Democratic districts, one toss-up, which is currently held by a Democrat, one lean Republican seat, and one solid Republican seat. This map was just approved last week, but it is already being challenged 
by Republicans, so the New Jersey map might not be final yet. Michigan has 13 districts. They have an independent commission, but Michigan had 14 districts last cycle. They lost one. That independent commission for Michigan approved three solid Democratic districts, one lean Democrat, two toss-ups, which are currently held by Democrats, one toss-up that's held by a Republican, two lean Republican seats, and four solid Republican seats, which is close to the same as what it was last cycle. There are two states that have 14 districts, and both of them are very important for the presidential race coming up in 2024. North Carolina, which added a seat, it now has 14. Republicans approved the new maps in North Carolina. They approved three solid Democratic districts, one toss-up that's held by Democrats, two lean Republican districts, and eight solid Republican districts. However, Democrats have challenged the map in the courts, and it is now up to the state Supreme Court, which has a Democratic majority, and a couple of years ago actually threw out a similar Republican gerrymander. So it's probable that this map is going to get drawn out, and we're going to get a new map in North Carolina. True that! Georgia is the other state that has 14 districts, and Georgia Republicans approved four solid Democratic districts, a toss-up held by a Democrat, and nine solid Republican districts. That moves one lean Democratic seat to a solid Democrat and one toss-up seat to a solid Republican seat in Georgia. Both those states are going to be major battlegrounds in 2024, just like they were in 2020. And those states went their separate ways because North Carolina voted for Donnie Boy and Georgia voted for Joey Boy. But North Carolina especially is going to be one to watch for redistricting for the next little while. Oh boy! Ohio has 15 districts. They lost one from the last cycle. And there's been some news in Ohio recently because the state Supreme Court just tossed out the maps that were approved by Republicans in Ohio last week because the court said that the maps did not comply with the partisan fairness requirement, which is stated in the state's constitution. Basically, since Donnie Boy won about 55% of the vote in Ohio last time, Republicans should control around 55% of the state's representatives. But in the maps that were approved by the Ohio Republicans, that number was closer to like 75%. So Ohio is going to have some new districts drawn. The legislature gets another chance. They have to draw new districts within 30 days. If they cannot do that, there is a bipartisan redistricting commission that will draw the maps instead. The last maps had three solid Democratic districts, a toss-up held by a Democrat, four lean Republican districts, and eight solid Republican districts in Ohio. It's true! There are two states that have 17 districts. Illinois, which was at 18, but they lost the seats to another, at 17. They approved basically a Democratic gerrymander. It's got eight solid Democratic seats, five lean Democratic seats, a toss-up held by a Democrat, and three solid Republican seats. Pennsylvania, which also lost the seat at 17, has not approved any maps, and the Republican legislature needs the approval of the Democratic governor to pass any maps, but apparently the Democrats and Republicans are working together in the legislature, so that's always good, bipartisanship. But the old maps in Pennsylvania featured five solid Democratic seats, a lean Democratic seat, a toss-up held by a Democrat, a toss-up held by a Republican, two lean Republican seats, and seven solid Republican seats in Pennsylvania. Cool facts, bro. Jumping up from 17 to 26 because the state of New York, which also lost the seat, has 26 districts for the cycle. They have a bipartisan commission that needs to approve a map by January 25th. They already approved maps last year, 
but the legislature said no to those, so the commission gets another chance. But if these maps do not pass the legislature, then the Democratic-led supermajority in the legislature is going to draw the maps that need to be signed by the Democratic governor. And basically, what they're probably going to try to do is get as many Democratic seats as they can in New York. That's why they rejected the commission's maps. Duh. But the previous maps in New York had 15 solid Democratic seats, two lean Democratic seats, two toss-ups that were held by Democrats, a toss-up held by a Republican, four lean Republican seats, and three solid Republican seats. Florida gained a seat. They are now at 28 districts, but they have not passed any maps yet, but they have proposed some. Republicans control the process. They have the governorship and the legislature in Florida. The old maps had five solid Democratic seats, three leaning Democratic seats, three toss-ups that were held by Democrats, two toss-ups that were held by Republicans, three leaning Republican seats, and 11 solid Republican seats. And the maps that are proposed in the legislature right now most likely are going to remain similar to the old maps, barring some crazy thing, because you know, the Santa Claus. Disgusting! But now we're down to the final two states. Bear with me, we're almost done with this thing. Texas has 38 districts. They gained two seats in the new cycle. And Republicans who controlled the process passed new district maps that have 12 strong Democratic seats, one leaning Democratic seat, a toss-up, one leaning Republican seat, and 23 strong Republican seats. And this is significantly less leaning and toss-up seats than the previous maps, which had 14 toss-ups or leaning districts. So, the United States Department of Justice filed a lawsuit in December that alleges that the maps violated the Voting Rights Act, so those maps might not go into place. They might, though, but they are currently in court. And finally, the final state, the largest state of the union, is California. California has 52 districts, even though they lost one. They were at 53, now they're at 52. They have an independent commission that approved 34 solid Democratic seats, 9 lean Democratic seats, 2 toss-ups, 3 leaning Republican seats, and 4 solid Republican seats. So there you go. That's all 50 states and where they're at with redistricting. Thanks goodness that's over. And you might be thinking right now, Xander, why do I care? Well, I'm going to explain why. Because I just threw out a bunch of numbers to you. A bunch of small numbers. But all those numbers add up. So basically, out of the states that have approved their maps, not of the states that have proposals or haven't proposed anything, but the states that have proposed their maps so far, that includes the states that are in court, Nevada, North Carolina, and Texas. So far, there are 128 Democratic-leaning seats, there are 119 Republican-leaning seats, and there are 21 toss-up seats. And when we compare these new maps to the previous maps in the last cycle in these states, there are seven more Democratic-leaning seats, there's only one more Republican-leaning seat, and there are six less toss-up seats. That's a lot of numbers. So as of now, Democrats appear to be gaining more ground so far. We're not over. But of course, after the 2010 redistricting cycle, that was when Republicans put in a bunch of gerrymandered maps across the country in the states that they controlled the redistricting process. So Democrats are working from behind. As the overall House map for the last 10 years leaned towards Republicans. Well, how is that happening? How are Democrats gaining ground? Well, that's because Democrats are starting to introduce gerrymandered maps of their own. And in states where they completely control the redistricting process, such as 
Illinois, and possibly New York, they are introducing gerrymandered maps. Now, gerrymandering is not exactly a good thing, because the Brennan Center for Justice describes gerrymandering as deeply undemocratic. It is also defined as the practice of drawing the boundaries of electoral districts in a way that gives one political party an unfair advantage over its rivals or that dilutes the voting power of members of ethnic or linguistic minority groups. That was a fact. It's also not exactly new, because this all started back in 1812 in Massachusetts, where Massachusetts governor, whose name was Elbridge Gerry, passed gerrymandered state senate districts in Massachusetts. So that's where you get gerrymandering from, from Elbridge Gerry. It's a fact. So back in 2010... When Republicans made huge gains in the midterms, they got control of a bunch of state legislatures across the country. And that means they got to draw a lot of new maps across the country, and what they did with that was they introduced a lot of gerrymandered maps so that they could win more seats, not just in 2010 and 2012, but later on, 2014, 2016, 2020. But now Democrats are starting to do it, and Democrats are saying that in order to counteract Republican gerrymanders in states like Texas, Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, other states, they have to act in the states that they control so they don't fall behind and let Republicans unfairly win control of the House. And before this current redistricting cycle began, it was actually expected that Republicans would add on to their gains of adding more House seats that lean toward Republicans, but this has not been the case simply because in states that Republicans have already gerrymandered, there's little that they can do to extend those gerrymandered maps beyond their current reaches, which has halted a bunch of Republican gains in a bunch of states. But now you're seeing Democrats start to make more Democratic-friendly districts in states where they control the redistricting processes. So Democrats are gaining more seats that lean towards them now in this cycle. Now, I'm not saying that gerrymandering is a good thing. It's actually a bad thing. Awful. But if Democrats did not step up to the plate, Republicans could probably lose by millions of votes nationwide, but they could still win control of the House, which doesn't make any sense to me because of the way that they have drawn districts. And of course, that's also because in the United States, we prioritize land voting, apparently, over population. And we could fix that by expanding the House of Representatives, which was last expanded back in 1911. And ever since then, with the exception of Hawaii becoming a state, it has stayed at 435 members, when it should probably be expanded. Because when you take a look at a bunch of other democracies, like in Europe, where they have usually an equal number of seats in their parliament to what we have in Congress, or more, like in the UK, in the House of Commons in the UK Parliament, they have 650 seats. The House of Lords has 775. But the United States Congress, the United States is a lot bigger than the United Kingdom, land-wise and population-wise. We have 435 districts in the House and 100 seats in the Senate. And even when taking a look at a country like Germany, we've talked about Germany's elections on this podcast. The Bundestag has 736 seats. How about that? And Germany, once again, is a lot smaller, land-wise and population-wise, than the United States. So that kind of doesn't make sense to me how our Congress is so small for how big our country is. But we could talk about expanding Congress in the House another day. But it needs to happen. A sure thing. But when we get back on the topic of gerrymandering, the Supreme Court 
could ultimately stop gerrymandering in the U.S., and they have presented the opportunity to do so back in 2019 when the conservative majority basically ruled that partisan redistricting is a political question, it is not reviewable by federal courts, and it is a legislative issue, which is not what the Supreme Court has ruled in the past. But Democrats are trying to do something about it in the Congress, a legislative issue. They have a bill, which we have talked about on this podcast, the For the People Act, which has passed the House. It would end political gerrymandering. Of course, it passed the House, it's in the Senate. It needs 60 votes to pass the Senate unless the filibuster is altered or removed. And there are some people who don't want to do that. So we got a problem, but I don't want to get into that. Get that out of here. So that's the whole deal with gerrymandering. So overall, it is still determined, TBD basically, which party is going to come out with an edge for the 2022 midterms and for the rest of the decade, because there's several key states that are still awaiting their final maps. And a couple of the states that we should probably still be watching for that could flip seats include Pennsylvania, Florida, New York, Wisconsin, and Ohio. All those seats still need to approve their maps because Ohio's was rejected, and Texas and North Carolina have their maps going through the courts at the moment right now, so those could potentially change as well. So, there you have it. It is Xander's redistricting update for the 2020 cycle. Even though we're in 2022, it is very exciting stuff. I know everyone was very intrigued listening to all those state numbers. America! And we didn't even talk about the state legislature districts, which would have taken days. And we're not going to do that on this podcast. So there you go. Redistricting is very important for the upcoming elections in 2022 for the House, your state legislature elections that are probably coming up soon, and until the next census is done in 2030. Xander's Facts. And there you have it. That is this week's Xander's Facts flashback. And I did, as I mentioned previously, I did just want to update a little bit on where redistricting stands right now, because we're basically done. We've had primaries. States are having primaries right now. And the midterms are less than three months away in November. And by the way, that's just the beginning of our Xander's Facts midterm coverage, because we are going to be going all in on the midterms this fall in our brand new episodes, which begin next week. But the little update that I did want to share is basically where things stand right now for the two parties. So according to the Brennan Center for Justice, they've got solid Trump districts, solid Biden districts, and competitive Trump and Biden districts. So out of the 435 House seats, because the House, the House of Representatives in Congress, is the one that gets redistricted. The Senate does not, because each state gets two senators. So, for the House... Big fact incoming! According to the Brennan Center for Justice, as of this month, August, there are 178 solid Trump districts. A solid Trump district, or a solid Biden district, a solid district is where the margin of victory and the two-party vote share is nine points or more on average. And then competitive districts are districts where the average margin of victory in the two-party vote share is eight points or less. So not exactly, but if the average margin of victory for a party 
is double digits, then it's going to be a solid red or blue Trump or Biden district. If it's less, if it's eight points or less, then it's going to be a competitive district. Good to know. That's what they rated at. So they have 178 solid Trump or Republican districts. For solid Biden districts, they have 197. Now that is more. But they have 30 competitive Biden districts, 30 competitive Trump districts. 30 plus 30 plus 197 plus 178 is our grand total, 435. Cool facts, bro. So according to the Brennan Center for Justice, according to the data, which they got from the voting and election science team at Harvard, there are an equal number of competitive Trump and Biden districts, and there are more solid Biden districts. I said in the flashback that in 2010, the Republicans owned the gerrymandering and the redistricting, which is not good. Gerrymandering should be illegal. It's bad. But the Democrats said, you know what? If they're going to gerrymander, let's gerrymander too, in a bunch of states, including Illinois. So in more states, the Democrats gerrymandered, which is not good, but they got more seats. So the balance, according to this, is pretty even. Basically, what Democrats have to do is hold their solid seats and basically hold almost of the competitive Biden seats that are on average eight points or less, which they have right now, but that's a very slim margin. And in November, can they hold all those seats is going to be the big question. And I didn't really dive deep into this on last week's edition of Xander's Weekend Facts, which you should go read, but I did mention House seats a little bit because there were a couple special elections, which I did mention in my big article. So you should go check that out, Xander's Weekend Facts and Xander's Facts. So there you have it. That's the Xander's Facts flashback for this week, Wednesday, August 17th. Thank you all for listening. And remember, if you liked all the facts that were on this week's flashback, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, the Xander's Facts flashback, rate and review the podcast, then go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Xander's Facts, that's Xander with a Z, and most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. Spread the facts! Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends. And then go watch on YouTube. And then go read Xander's Weekend Facts. And check out the Xander's Facts link tree for all the links that you need for Xander's Facts. So that's the Xander's Facts flashback. Next week, as I mentioned, I will be back in the flesh, live. You will be hearing my voice, as you are now. But it's going to be a full new episode. Episode 73 is coming next week, Wednesday, August 24th. And we have got a ton to talk about because there has been a lot that has happened since the last Sanders Facts podcast, episode 72, including part of what we talked about on episode 72, soccer. I don't know if you watched Chelsea and Tottenham on Sunday, but they kind of went at it. And we might talk about that. Also, I don't know if you know this, but Donnie Boy got his house raided. And Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, went to Taiwan. A ton of stuff has happened. We're probably going to talk about a ton of stuff on episode 73 of the podcast. And then after that, the next two weeks, the end of August, the beginning of September, you know what we're talking about. We are doing our Xander's Facts 2022-2023 football season preview because it is August and I would, over the summer I was like why are they talking about football I don't care but I am starting to care a little bit now so 
We are going to have our previews in a couple of weeks at the end of this month and the beginning of September. So make sure to check those out. It is going to be a fact-filled fall. Nice. On the Xander's Facts podcast. But that is it. That is a wrap on this week's Xander's Facts flashback. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see y'all with a brand new edition of the Xander's Facts podcast next week. Are we done yet?